Hello and welcome in to another edition of the SCJ Preps podcast here on SiouxCityJournal.com. Thank you so much for listening as always. I'm Assistant Sports Editor Zach James and alongside with me as always is Sports Editor Jessica Retz. Coming up in this podcast, we'll talk about uh, the four teams that made it to the state softball tournament, baseball playoffs are in full force as well. And uh, we saw a little tweet this afternoon hinting that the uh, that the partnership between the Iowa High School Sports Network and NBC Sports Chicago may come to an end. But let's start with the state softball uh, scene, and state softball will be at the Harlan Rogers Sports Complex in Fort Dodge, and the four teams that will be represented in the Siouxland area will be Newell Fonda, Denison Schleswig, Alter Aurelia, and Lamar's Galen Catholic. I, I saw a pretty good game on Tuesday night between Bishop Heelan and Denison Schleswig for the Class 4A Region 8 title. Denison Schleswig winning that game 3 to nothing. Um, Sarah, uh, the Monarchs had a really good game. Uh, had two, scored two late runs in the fifth inning, added on an insurance run in the sixth. And I've seen some pretty good softball in the last week, and then no question about that. And Justin, you did as well on Monday night in a regional softball final as well. That just goes to show you that this softball uh, landscape here in the Siouxland is very strong. Yes, it is. It is, it is pretty strong there. Um, there were some disappointments with, with West Monona um, having to go to Harlan. I know they weren't too happy about that. Then losing to Mount, Mount Air. Um, I, I just think with them losing 9 nothing, that was a score that just seemed like something didn't click last night for them or something. Um, you know, North did lose to Waukee, but they made it that far for the first time in a while. East had to face Fort Dodge. I mean, those are two Merak teams that had faced yeah. the one, two teams overall. Um, looking at that, you know, besides that, you know, West Sioux had a pretty good case to make it and, and also really got them. And, and, you know, there's a lot of teams that had the chance out there to have four go. It was pretty, pretty good right there considering some of the teams on the other sides of those brackets. So yeah, four was a pretty good number to make it from, from the area. Absolutely, and and just seeing the way the teams did it in dramatic fashion. I mean, uh, Westwood in the regional semis losing a close ball game. Healing getting a walk-off win on Saturday. Uh, Denison Schleswig getting a convincing win, even though their ace um, got hurt with a sprained ankle but pitched well on Tuesday night as well. Uh, what what do you see out of the out of the Sioux teams? I know you. Saw Ultra Aurelia on Monday night. Let's start there. What do you see out of them? Um, good pitching performance, a good lineup, especially at the top of the order, and good defense. That was that was the key to their game against West Sioux. They didn't make errors. West Sioux did. Um, West Sioux got Debbie Kramer, and she's been pitching there for a long time. Has more than fourteen hundred strikeouts there. Uh, she's going to pitch at Dort next year. So. Um, uh, it it kind of centers around Abby's uh, pitching. Then she's the number three hitter in the lineup. You have Brittany Turnquist and uh, and at the top of the order, Jessica Flaherty. Now, that, that, with their clicking, those are the three seniors that uh, Coach Turnquist uh, trusts the most up there. He really thinks if the bottom of the order can get on base, they'll score because of those three at the top of the order. Um, so that's the key there. You know, good pitching, get the top of the order rolling, uh, get some a couple runners on for them, and and, and see where they can go from there. They're the sixth seed going in. Um, they they uh, face number three Central Springs in there, which is a pretty tough task off the bat. But you know it's 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 going to start with Abby Kramer in the top of the order for that. Also, really a team. 
All right, let's move on to New Fonda. We don't know a whole lot about them since they're uh, the farthest away from the Siouxland area, but uh, since they had a lot of athletes in the basketball realm, and I'm sure they do on the softball side as well. Yeah, they do. It's basically all those same athletes from basketball are playing softball on that one. Um, I know people from New Fonda won't be shocked to hear this, and people who know this team well, their best player is Olivia Larson, so no real surprise there. Um, she's one of their top hitters. Uh, I mean, I, I'd say she is their top hitter. She's batting 420. She's got 38 RBI. Well, I won't say the top hitter. Ella Larson has 59 RBIs. Maggie Walker, 54 RBIs. Megan Morins, 45 RBIs. Olivia Larson has scored 65 times in the stone, 56 bases. My so goodness. She, yeah, exactly. So it's all the same names that you saw in, in basketball because Bailey Severs is batting 492. Macy Severs is batting <laughs> Uh, 374. So, I mean, like I said, you recognize all those names. And Ella Larson is an under two ERA uh, pitching for them. Um, Bailey Severs is also kind of a secondary pitcher. So, and they're young too because Olivia Larson and Emma Stewart are really the only two seniors. Uh, Cameron, yeah, I, I'm sorry, Cameron Wilkin as well. So, I'm a you look at this team and they're so senior laden, but they got a scare from Ridgeview, and Ridgeview is pretty senior laden too, but. That was quite a scare for New yeah. Fonda, who's been a top four team, top five team for much of the season. Yeah, that's a great call. New Fonda had to score four runs in the seventh inning to, to get over the hump over the Raptors. And that just shows you their resiliency and probably a little bit of experience based off of maybe past basketball and softball experiences. And if they've made it in volleyball, I'm sure they have. Just past state tournament experiences can help in situations like that. Yeah, Ken, you know, that's the thing going to state. You have all that that experience. They're going to face Linville Solid, which is a good team, but their main pitcher is a sophomore. And she doesn't strike a lot of people out. 93 strikeouts, 177 to third innings. So, New Fonda is going to put the ball in play, and that's where they're dangerous. It seems like a good matchup in that first round for, for New Fonda. I, I mean, it's state tournament. They're not easy matchups by any means. No. To get a pitcher that pitches to contact is big for them because – New Fonda makes a ton of contact, scores a bunch of runs. So that, that's key for them, too. And it's a sophomore pitcher, too. So maybe if they get a rattle a little bit. I haven't looked back to see if she's pitched last year as an eighth grader. But even so, it's a veteran New Fonda squad. And while I was a little surprised at the Ridgeview score, I still think New Fonda can pick up this first-round win and maybe give Collins Maxwell or Galen Catholic a uh, major fight there. I mean, Collins Maxwell is number one. That That's, I mean, moving, you know, I don't want to look ahead, and sorry, Galen Catholic. That's a, that's a tough task for them in that in that first round game for them. Just out of curiosity, who is that Limbo Sully pitcher? Uh, Danelli uh, Connervore. Conno, yeah. Con- yep. So I'm so. related to her, distant oh, cousin. Okay. But I I am a distant cousin to her. I grew up in the Limbo Sully school district, even though I was open enrolled at Montezuma. I did live in the Limbo Sully school district as a kid. So yeah, yeah, distant cousin right there. Uh, great family. <laughs> great family. Uh, her mom was my elementary art teacher for, for a little bit. So uh, well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Uh, Limbo Sully beating with Mahaska, uh, another school I'm very familiar with. So uh, good job out of the she Hawks. Also, to, uh, to she also has the 14 doubles. She also has 14 doubles, 30 RBIs, and 354 batting average. So there you go. So yep. Yep. Well, very good. Well, let's move over to a team you you just mentioned a little bit ago, Galen Catholic. It seems like they've uh, been on a good roll here 
and uh, that can serve well, that can bode well for them going into next week as well. Yeah, they've really come on strong the last third of the season. They they had a good first two thirds of the season. Is is right there? They played a lot of tough opponents. The last third of the season, they have really come on. Um, you know, they they kind of showed it in a one nothing loss to West Monona. You're like, okay, this seems going to get dangerous. And they didn't pitch their main pitcher against Westwood in that tournament against Westwood because they they thought they might see Westwood in the regional tournament, and they did. Um, they've won their last uh, five games. Um, in that one, and they haven't given up more. Uh, they gave up five runs to Akron Westfield and snapped a major streak there for Akron Westfield. They're always in the region final. They get 16 straight region finals that was snapped with that one. So New Alfonso's faced some powerhouses already in Akron West in, in Akron Westfield, mm-hmm. who isn't as good as they have been in the years past, but still that's a big win. And and you know then coming in and beating a ranked Westwood squad coming into it. Um, you know they've got a freshman pitcher in Riley Shemp. Uh, she's having a good year, 160 innings pitched, 205 ERA, 198 strikeouts. Um, Westwood could not touch her the other night. And and they have two other seniors, Anna Britt and Katie Peters. Besides that, this is a, this is a junior-laden squad mm-hmm. is what it is. Um, they've really come on strong. Even the coach said, you know, it took a little time for them to come on because there's three seniors and juniors. So some of the younger players have stepped up. Like, like Schempf has had a huge season for them in the circle. So it'll be interesting because – they have, they've had a really good season, but then since they weren't ranked, since they weren't really getting looked at in the rankings, then you get nailed with facing the number one team in Collins Maxwell, who has one loss on the season. That's to Louisa Muscatine, a 3A school that has quietly built kind of a powerhouse yeah. softball program there. Yeah, you, Muscatine County has, I know this isn't in our circulation area, but Muscatine and Louisa Muscatine had a really good season too. And uh, I'm sure yeah. our colleague, uh, Evan Riggs and the Muscatine Journal had a good time uh, covering those two squads this season. I'll talk a little bit about Denison Schleswig here. They were led, they were mostly led by Sarah Hylson. They've got a ton of seniors on this team. Sarah, like I mentioned in the prelude, uh, had to pitch with a sprained ankle on Tuesday after suffering that Saturday night in a regional semifinal win over Sergeant Blue Fluton. Uh, Hylson is 21 and 12. She has 187 in two-thirds innings under her belt. She, she did surpass the 800 uh, strikeout career mark earlier, I think either last week or two weeks ago. I remember the KDSN uh, guides talking about t- that too. And then hitting-wise, they've got a uh, – Hylson leads the team uh, in average, 434 average. Alex Moore, who also had an RBI single in the state qualifying win on Tuesday night, she hits nine doubles, four triples, and two homers. Hylson has seven homers on the season, which by far and away leads the team. Uh, Dennis and Schleswig has hit 18 homers this season. So they they can be a very powerful team. They also have 49 doubles and um, 10 triples. And they have a collective uh, opposing batting average pitching-wise of 216 and a collective team ERA of 307. But if Hylson is healthy enough with her ankle, which she thinks she will be, Heading into the state tournament next week, I think uh, they'll turn to her for uh, the pitching duties. And she pitched a one-hitter, which is impressive. She she did have five walks and hit three batters on Tuesday night. But she just found a way to get out of um, jams. She had two bases loaded situations, one in the third inning and one in the seventh inning. 
and got out of the third inning with a ground out and a strikeout, if I remember correctly, and got out of the seventh inning jam with a game-ending strikeout to L.A. Gangler of Healing. But I think for the Monarchs to be here and to make it to state, they didn't have, They had a week where they lost seven of nine or something like that. I'd have to yep. go back and look. They lost, they lost seven of uh... – it, it was a really torrid stretch down there. They they lost six in a row, I believe, and ended up turning into uh, seven of eight or um, eight of nine games that they lost. So they ranked at the time. They only had one yeah. loss going into that, and they had that torrid stretch. Since then, they've only lost four games in that uh, since since June twentieth. They've only lost four games. So and maybe it um, maybe a stretch like that where you do lose those many games in a row. Maybe it's a blessing in disguise to show you what you need to work on and that you need to wake up. And it happened at the right time. It didn't happen at the end of the season. It happened at the beginning of the season. So they had enough time to make enough adjustments or, or wake up, like I said, and wake up they certainly did. Now they're back in the state tournament uh, after trying the last two uh, couple of years. They fell short in the regional final, but they finally broke through just like they did in the Class 4A basketball tournament. Now they get to go play in Fort Dodge. Yes, they do draw the number one seed, Carlisle. Carlisle, yes. Now, the key to Denison Schleswig does fall on Sarah uh, Hylison. Now, she's got a lot of strikeouts, 249 strikeouts in the season. But when they went through that stretch, she had problems finding the strike zone. She's got a hundred. And she did, ten- and she did yep. Tuesday night, too. And she's got 170 walks this season. That's a lot of walks. Yeah, that's almost a walk per inning, 21 hit batters. They need her to be able to locate the strike zone because I know there's the ankle thing tonight, but this is not This is kind of a common occurrence for her. And they, they've got a pretty good offense. Um, Sarah yes, can do. mash it. Pedro uh, Amadro can mash it. I was pretty impressed that uh, Helan was keeping that offense in check there for a while, um, giving, given the way this offense is able to mash, you know, Alex Moore has a couple home runs and Kayla Roush. Mm-hmm. And when those two get on, that really sets up that lineup, especially when Alex Moore gets on. Um, that really sets up that lineup. But Carlisle, um, their three losses the season this year are to ADM, Louisa Muscat, <laughs> and Fort Dodge. And Fort Dodge is the number two team in, in 5A. And, and we just yeah. talked about Louisa Muscatine. ADM is usually a salty squad out there, too. So, um, you look at them, and they, they've got a, They've scored 285 runs this year too, and they also have 21 home runs. So you cannot put extra runners on base for this Carlisle team. They're batting 402 as a team. You cannot put extra runners on base for this team. So if they're going to pull off the upsets, Sarah cannot walk batters. So it's it's a tough task right now. But if you don't walk batters, don't put the extra batters on. Right. Match them hit for hit. I know Molly Hoekstra has had a really good season for Carlisle, but this is a very good offense for Denison Schleswig, so you have to limit the walks. Yeah, and you have to you have to play solid defense. You have to hit the ball well against tough pitching, which they uh, which it's it won't be as hard as they as their last visit when they had to face Dallas Center Grabs's Dallas Center Grabs's Paige Lowry, but still you you still have to find a way to get girls on base, you have to find a way to keep your opponents off base, and the Monarchs didn't necessarily do that tonight. Heelan had uh, 10 base runners. Didn't, now, granted, Heelan didn't bring any of them in, which is, to Monarchs' credit, a little bit, but you still got to get girls on 
and find a way to drive him in against a really good team like the Wildcats. Yeah, that's exactly right. Elon missed some opportunities, and you know maybe we'd be talking about them facing uh, Carlisle right now if they got a couple more. But yeah, e- even with a ten on, they did they did get out of some jams. Uh, so that is good for Denish and Trust like they. But that, it, it's harder to do that against Team Bat and Four Hundred Two, so they really have to clean yes. that up. But it, it'll be interesting to see what happens in that game there. And of course, the state softball tournament begins next week in Fort Dodge, and the state baseball and, tournament isn't too far away. Go ahead. I should also mention, I mentioned Eliza Muscatine twice in there. There's a reason for that. They're the number two seed in uh, in Class 3A behind Davenport Assumption. So like when I said Eliza Muscatine is having a pretty good season there, like when I said the powerhouse, I wasn't just throwing that out there. So, I mean, those, those that's a salty team right there. That could that could be an interesting state final. I, I think I think Assumption wins the whole thing there, but that could be that couldn't be an interesting matchup if we see that uh, next Friday night in uh, Fort Dodge. Yeah, that's two completely different schools too. Just yes. that, that's a crazy thing. I mean, I yeah. worked at Muscatine for a little bit and seen Wise Muscatine. She did. They 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 love their softball, but it's it's two completely different programs. So and Assumption loves their softball too. They love all their sports. I I worked in the Quad Cities for a little bit too, and Assumption certainly likes their sports and softball. Yes, they do. Right at the top of their list. <laughs> it's right at the top of their list. Uh, another sport assumption is good at baseball and uh, the state baseball playoffs are in full force right now as uh, the small schools are going to get going and then the bigger schools will get going later on this weekend. But a big surprise, what you told me when I returned to the office Tuesday night uh, from the Helan uh, DS softball game, also really got MVAOCOU, did, did they? Yes, they did. Um, I'm not too really, I'm not really surprised about that. That's kind of my what I, I deemed the bracket of death right there, um, because you had Hinton, you had MVAOCOU, and Alta Aurelia, those three teams, and even OABCIG. I thought would be sneaky, but they lost their first round matchup. Well, um, Alta um, MVAOCOU came in with one of the best, excuse me, one of the best ERAs in the state, and <coughs> excuse me, and. Um, they came in with one of the best ERAs in the state, thanks to Aaron Michael and Zach Scott. We've talked about them before. But Alterilia has really come on in the, in the final half of the season. They got off mm-hmm. to a slow start. Hinton has a major win over them during that early season, which we'll get to here in a little bit. And, and, uh, but Alterilia has really rode the McCoy brothers on the mound, um, one of them being uh, Logan, who I believe is a freshman, was on the mound today, pitched decent enough. Um, but the Warriors are, are scoring about 10 runs per game. So you had best pitching versus one of the best hitting teams. And Alto Arroyo was able to get on Zach Scott early and were able to get a couple runs off Aaron Michael. And that's the key there. I mean, they faced two great pitchers right there, and they were mm-hmm. able to get to them. And I, I'm not too surprised, though, just because Alto Arroyo did make it to state last year. They got some key pieces back from last year. And, you know, but the Rams are a very good pitching team. And, that says a lot that they were able to get past the Rams today. And that kind of shows the other pitchers like they had to be, um, they, they faced two of the best pitchers in the Western Valley Conference and got by them. And, and this, like you said earlier, and what we've talked about a couple nights ago, this is the bracket of death. And there's no surefire team that can come out of this district. Now, granted, some may point to Hinton because they've had a spectacular season in VAO because they're the regular season conference champs. But like we saw on Tuesday night, 
also really can mess all that up. And, and like you said, they're a state tournament team. And they're just as potent as any other team in this in this district. They've got the potential to make a deep run at state. I feel. I mean, with the, if it, if it matches up with McCoy brothers, they've got a chance there, and and we'll see. Um, because we'll have Alto really and Hinton on Saturday night now, and that's a huge one because Hinton just blew past Missouri Valley, no surprise, five nothing in five innings, and really everything's been kind of chalk for our area teams mm-hmm. um, in the brackets. You know, the only really upset was Central Lion versus uh, uh, against Akron-Westfield. And Akron-Westfield was 500 team. Central Lion only had five wins at that point. But uh, Houston threw a great game, striking out 13. Uh, but then Lawton-Bronson knocked him out tonight. So everything's kind of playing chalk. Kingsley-Pearson won. Lawton-Bronson won. Um, you know, all, uh, Woodbury Central won. Remsen-St. Mary's won. West Lion won. 17 strikeouts from Hunter Deckers and, and, and West Sioux won. Uh, 40 nothing though. So Unity Christian did play him close. Um, but, yeah, West Sioux got past them. So everything's been kind of chalk so far in these first-round games. Uh, New Alfonda and Sioux Central came out of their side of their – came out of their bracket. Everything's just kind of playing to as, as it is now. So it'll be interesting to see what, what Saturday night brings because Hinton, Alta, Aurelia. You've got Kingsley Pearson and Lawton Bronson. Um, you have uh, West Sioux versus West Lion, um, New Alfonda versus Sioux Central. Those are some big games. Not not even yes. mentioned. You've got East versus West on Friday, and and such. So there's some big games coming up here uh, on Saturday night because everything played out chalks. So that that sets it up huge. And there's some big, di- you know, there's some big district finals in there that could be sub-state finals. Does that surprise you that everything has been chalked so far? No, it really doesn't. It, it doesn't surprise me. It's been chalked. Looking at how everything's set up, um, I was shocked that Akron-Westfield lost, but, you know, I kind of figured Akron-Westfield would lose to Lawton-Bronson. I figured everything would kind of play out how it has. Uh, I didn't really see too many upsets happening. Just just for the way teams are able to work out their pitching here. You know, pitching is what gets you some of these wins. Yep. And, you know, these teams in the first round, if they're going to make it to the second round, they have to use their their first round pitcher. And you know, so you got Hinton who has a bye. Missouri Valley's face throwing their best pitcher against OABCIG. Hinton's able to roll. So you know that, that that's kind of the advantage there. So you know, and, and some of the better teams in the first round, you can pitch your ace in the first. You you can pitch your second or third pitcher there because you have a little bit more pitching depth than these other teams, mm-hmm. and you can save your aces for later rounds too. So that. It, it, it usually turns out that way. There's not usually a huge upset that I usually see coming. Uh, it it kind of looks like it played out as it should. So the West Sioux game was probably a little closer than I thought, but still Unity's been able to keep some opponents close lately. Yep, yep, absolutely. And credit to the Knights for keeping that game close against the kid who can do everything, I guess. Hunter Decker, <laughs> is, is, yeah, he's, he's unbelievable. And I can't wait to see what he does during the football season, even though the baseball season isn't quite over yet. So if what's well, let's talk about the East West East Friday game and then and then uh, North baseball here for a quick second and Sergeant Bluff baseball, I guess for that matter. Um, West and East could be interesting because West just beat East on Monday night uh, to split a double header. Uh, how do you see the bigger schools playing out? That's going to be interesting because with Alec Neiman on the mound, I mean it could be a tight battle for East and West in that one. Alec Neiman has had a very good season as, as you yes. wrote in your Metro athlete of the week. So it'll be interesting to see who East sends to the mound. 
you know, they they have two options, Nate Zizda and Alec Patino, I think. They they could always turn to Noah McWilliams. Um, I think I, – I don't know. At this time of year, you could. Anything can happen. Yeah, anything can happen. They all have ERAs under three. They do. Um, Nate's kind. Nate's been their ace. Uh, Patino struck out a lot of betters. Noah McWilliams has a 2.60 ERA, but only 20 strikeouts. And that's not bad by any means, but West – West's lineup is a little sneaky in that, so I don't know. It's one of those things where you don't get the buy, so do you save your best pitcher for Urbandale if you think you're going to get that far? Because that's, uh. it's, it's, not, it's not a given because even if you get past West, you still have wa- the winner of Waukee and North in that aspect, so mm-hmm. you, you're going to have to probably burn your best pitcher either way before you get to Urbandale. So they do have three options. I'll be interested to see who they turn to. It's obviously going to be Neiman for West. I mean, he, yeah. he's their ace. And then you can use S-Link. If, if they beat East, then you use S-Link, uh, um, Alex S-Link in there. So, I mean, they, they, they know their options right there. So <laughs> it all depends. Like I said, East has three good options. I just feel Patino and Zeisdar are above McWilliams. But McWilliams is a senior, and, you know, he could step up here, and he's held batters at a two twenty two average. So so we'll see how that kind of goes in that. But um, West lineup is going to depend on Alec Neiman, Alex Essling, Jesse Elgert, and Matt Elgert. And, uh-huh. and th- th- those are the ones, and Connor James in there too. They, they, need those, they need the lineup to be consistent. When their lineup's consistent, they're very dangerous. When their lineup leaves them, teams come back on them, teams will pull away from them. Um, that's kind of the key there. Cause I believe, I think Neiman can, can keep East lineup, which is pretty dangerous, a bit in check. And if he can keep them in the game and West can score some runs, it's, I think it's gonna be a 50, 50 game. I think right now I would, I would say 60, 40 East, but I think with the rivalry and everything, it, it, it could be a pretty entertaining game there. I think this game is much, much closer than what I anticipated it to be maybe two weeks ago, especially Same here. just looking just looking at East, I mean, sorry, West lineup and seeing what they were able to do against a team like Heelan uh, early last week when Heelan had that big comeback. Uh, Monday night when they beat West, East in that game two of a doubleheader. Um, I think West played with Lewis Central pretty close, if I remember correctly, and Lewis Central won the Hawkeye 10 pretty convincingly. So if you, if they can bring those experiences to Friday night's game, I think this will be a doozy. I think this will turn out to be a football-type score, um, but uh, I think whichever team can't – whichever team's lineup can prove to come out on top late, which I've seen East lineup do, and I've seen West lineup do. So whoever, who's, who's ever lineup comes out on top later, I think that's going to be the difference. I, I, I'm sure pitching, uh, it'll be a revert. I want to say reverse pitcher, pitchers duel, but it'll be it'll be a high scoring game, but it'll be a competitive high scoring game. I'll say it like that. That'll be interesting. Both pitchers have the chance to really hold teams in check too. So it could be five four, could be seven six, could be thirteen twelve. But based on what we saw the other night, I don't think both teams threw the whole kitchen sink at each other, knowing they'd no, see each I other don't think so either. On Friday, that's evident in the pitching matchups too. So that'll be the key there. So and and, and that's the right call. You don't throw. You don't show your show your best in a regular season game. Now, granted, it did have some conference implications for East, but you, you still have to think about playoffs before regular season stuff. 
Yes, that's exactly right. Yep. And then you mentioned with Waukee and North, it seems like that's a regular thing that North always plays Des Moines teams. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, in that terms, uh, yeah, North has to travel to Waukee. Waukee is 26 and 12 on the season. Um, and there's a three seed. That um, seems like a record that could be a two seed right there. Uh, Waukee's pitching has been great this season. They got a team ERA of 252. Um, they're two, two top pit. They've got three pitchers with 40 or more innings. 1.92 ERA for the top two. That's Jackson Wentworth and Cole Kaufman. Jackson Payne is a 2.90 ERA. I mean, the next two guys are, are under two ERA after that, both 30-plus innings pitched. So, Waukee's got a deep pitching rotation. And that's why I say, you know, what does East do in this situation? Because you're going to have another huge pitching matchup against Waukee then. So, uh-huh. it's kind of the gauntlet. I mean, who's ever making it the state is earning it. There's no doubt about that. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's kind of a mini state tournament when you kind of look at it with Urbandale East and Waukee. Um, and then, you know, North has Trent Ferrix that they're going to throw. I mean, it, it, it's evident that they're throwing Trent Ferrix in that first game. Uh, he's been, I, he's been good this year, but I don't think he's been as good as he, he's wanted to be. So it'll be interesting to see how he comes out in this game. I, I, you know, this could be his final start with North. So we'll see how he comes out in this one. So, um, opponents are batting 266 against him this year, a little higher than, than it has been in the past. Now, Waukee's not hitting over 300 as a team. They only have three batters over 300. So their key has been their pitching. Like I said, North has some dangerous – North is batting 313. Nick Opsel's really come along. Um, Trent Ferricks is, is batting well. Tyrell Blakey has been batting very well. Hudson Kromanock has been batting very well, along with Hunter. Evan Helvig had a two-hit performance the other day, and Peyton Poppin even had a two-hit performance the other day, too, two doubles. So that lineup's starting to get more consistent right now. They haven't gone on this huge run of wins that you'd expect. It's kind of been up and down. So this is the t- – I mean, this is the time, though, if you're going to put the one game together. If you knock off Waukee – then all of a sudden you're setting yourself up well against West and East. Do they have the match yet? the pitching to match up with East in that second game? Hudson Kromnock has thrown decent enough this year, and Tyrell Blakey's really come on here late in the season. So they might in that aspect, and then they do for West too. So North 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 has to pitch well. They have to find a way to get to Waukee's pit, pitching. And is that as basic as it gets? Yes, but that's what wins baseball games flat out and simple. Pitch better than the other team, hit better than the other team. It sounds simple. It sounds stupid. That's exactly what North has to do against Waukee now. All you have to do is score more runs than the other team. That's all you got to do to make it on to the uh, state baseball and, for that matter, state softball uh, tournaments. Moving on to Class 3 is uh, you're listening to the SCJ Preps podcast here on SiouxCityJournal.com. I'm Zach James along with uh, sports editor Justin Rust. In Class 3A, Bishop Peelan and uh, Sergeant Blue Fluton are both in the same sub-state, but in different districts. In District 1, Keelan has to go to... Keelan will play Lemoore's at Storm Lake on Friday night, and uh, Storm Lake will host Boyd and Hole Rock Valley on the other side of that bracket. And then in District 2, Sergeant SBL hosts Anderson Schleswig at uh, 7, and then... Uh, before that game, MLC Floyd Valley will take on Spencer Friday night and Sergeant Bluff. What do you see out of out of those two brackets, Justin? Should be chalk in the Sergeant Bluff one, but Sergeant Bluff can't overlook Denison for, for MLC Floyd Valley. Um, Denison is about a 500 team, if, I, if I'm thinking right. 
Um, so they can't overlook him, but they, they should have. They've got more pitching, more hitting. Denison's had the ability to hit the ball well at times. Uh, they're 14 and 60 on the season. Uh, Sergeant Bluff should get them, but they've had letdowns this season. But uh, this would be probably the biggest letdown of the season there. Uh, for MLC Floyd Valley, they've been having a pretty good year. They got 20 plus wins. Um, they did, uh, if I believe correctly, I think they lost to Helan tonight. Yeah, Helan got them 3 to 2 tonight uh, in, in uh, MLC. Spencer is 16 and 18. Um, so I was thinking wrong on their record. So that's a decent team there. Um, they did lose to MLC Floyd Valley early in the season, 12 to four. Um, then they picked up a 10, one win over MLC Floyd Valley on July 5th. So, uh, I'm thinking wrong that that could be an interesting game. I'd, I'd give the edge to MLC Floyd Valley in that one. Um, even though MLC Floyd Valley has lost its last three games, one of them, the, the it's been to Helan, to Storm Lake and Sergeant Bluff Luton. Um, they also have that loss suspension there. So they've lost four of the last five with a 15 to one win over, over spirit Lake there. Um, also losses to Sioux center and West lion. So they're kind of on a downswing after a very tough, very, very good start to the season. I, I, I'd, I'd give them the advantage here. Um, I'd say that bracket is weaker than the one Helan is in. Lamar's I, I, is down this year, but Storm Lake and Boyden Hall, Rock Valley, that could be a sub-state final right there. Um, Storm Lake is twenty and eight on the season. Boyden Hall, Rock Valley is also a twenty-one team, uh, if I'm thinking right. So. Um, Storm Lake and a lot of stuff this year has done very well. A lot of sports, yeah. track, basketball, um, but they haven't gotten over that edge quite yet. Um, well, team, they did team soccer. Wise, team wise. Soccer, yes, they did. Uh, soccer, they also did not. They lost in the first round of state, which I know is not as deep as they would have hoped to go. So that, that's kind of what – I mean, with where they were ranked, um, losing in the first round wasn't exactly uh, what they're hoping for. And, I was wrong about Boyden Hall, Rock Valley. They're 15 and 18, so they've had some rainouts that have kind of affected theirs. But that, that's a pretty good matchup for that, too. I expect it to be Storm Lake and, and Bishop Helan. Um, but like I said, Boyden Hall, Rock Valley could surprise there. Uh, that, that, that's a very formidable uh, district over there. And you'll uh, be at Sergeant Bluff on Friday, if I remember correctly? I will actually be at East and West now. Is East, and West, yep, East and West. East and West. Yep. So. East and West. And you can follow uh, Justin's live game coverage at Justin Rest when he is out at a game. And you can follow me on Twitter at Zachary W. James. And of course, our Twitter site, uh, SCJ Sports. And of course, the main, the main Twitter handle for the Sioux City Journal is simply SCJ. Let's move on to uh, football. Football's not too far off. And uh, I saw something interesting on Twitter on Tuesday where um, Iowa High School Sports, Iowa High School Athletic Association Communications Director Chris Cuellar replied to Des Moines Register Sports Editor Zach Craiglow. Now, Craiglow tweeted, uh, he quote tweeted a story from Illinois saying that the IHSA uh, announces it's ending its partnership with NBC Sports Chicago. Um, state championship games will return to free TV uh, in Chicago and other um, Quincy Media and Nextstar stations throughout Illinois. So Quayle responded to Craiglow's tweet because Craiglow said, "Quote interesting as it will be as it will be even weirder that they carry Iowa high school sports. Chicago, at least for now, is still in Illinois." End quote. So Quayle responded by saying, "Quote 
IHSSN deal with NBC Sports Chicago concluded this spring with hoops onto new adventures, end quote, which probably means that this uh, high school, that the state association probably will not renew its deal with NBC Sports Chicago, which should have been done three, four, five years ago. Maybe the deal shouldn't have even happened in the first place. Let's, let's put it this way. If it's called NBC Sports Chicago, it should have never happened in the first place, but everyone, but they paid the most. That's what they went with. And it's just stupid because if it's NBC Sports Chicago, if it's NBC Sports Des Moines, okay. But Chicago is not even in the state, and half of Illinois hates Chicago anyway. So it, it's just it was just a dumb deal to begin with right away. It was a money, it was it was a money hungry organization looking for more money. So where do you think the IHSSN goes now? I think they'll go the similar route with um, the way the IHSA is with free TV, and it'll be on local channels like digital channels. Like I don't know how many digital channels there are in this city. Like for example. Uh, KCAU 9.3 or something like that. I think that's the way the state should go. But I am I am absolutely in love with what the Girls Union did with its TV deal part, partnering with Iowa Public Television and streaming all quarterfinal and semi-games for free on YouTube. And then the state championship games are uh, usually uh, on Iowa Public Television. I would love to see the boys uh, association go that way, but I don't think they will. I think they'll go um, the way they originally did before the NBC Sports Chicago deal, which is just put it on free TV and every market and just let um, local affiliates uh, carry the state title games. I'd kind of hope that'd be the thing. We'll see what the local affiliates do um, because you're in the day of age now where people would rather watch The Bachelor and if you interrupt The Bachelor they get all mad. If there's a tornado coming toward your house, they will care about Bachelor coverage and then the tornado coverage. So that's where we're at as society nowadays. Um, so I don't know how many of the local affiliates it will go through. Uh, in a perfect world, that'd be great. It'd be great to have you know state football games on an ABC or NBC or something. But public TV is accessible to all. Um, you can get it, you can always get public TV. So I'd love to see it end up there. Um, because I feel you'd have a little bit more creativity with it because some of the local ones maybe want to have their hand in the cookie jar here. Whereas public TV is pretty, pretty easy going in how, how they handle everything, uh, whether it's in South Dakota or Nebraska or, or anything. So I think that's kind of the good thing there. Um, it'll be interesting. Uh, I want to say that it'd be something like local affiliates or, or PBS. But we know the route the, the boys' union has gone in years past. That's look for the money. And could they do something where it's charge a fee to watch it or something like that or, or, or the money? I could see them doing it. It's new leadership, so we'll see. I'm crossing my fingers, but green, green, drive, green drives everything nowadays, whether it's sports, whether it's anything, you know. Um, unless you're a big baller brand, you have to sell your, your items for $5 <laughs> nowadays. But um, I'm hoping it's something just like it is, like whether it's on Iowa Public Broadcasting or whether it's with the local affiliates, something where the teams that make it to state can watch it. That's the key. You don't so he, he, So here's the crazy part. So I was in Wisconsin during the state basketball tournament, and – uh, Montezuma was in the quarterfinals, and I got to watch the game, the game completely for free, no strings attached, 
things like that. But people back home had to pay a exactly. fee to watch the game live. And I, I just felt like that that was unless if you had NBC Sports Chicago on Dish or Direct TV, then you could watch it. But um that that's just backwards in my opinion. How could how could a guy like me who lives in Lacrosse, Wisconsin, uh watch a Iowa high school basketball Iowa high school boys basketball game uh for free and people in my hometown really couldn't. That that just that just never made sense to me. But um Maybe you're right. Maybe they just do put it on the IHSSN site and just drive people online. People do stream more. I exclusively stream all my um, entertainment options. So that, that could be a viable option as well. But for some demographics, uh, and the demographics that I'm talking and, about are those older than both of us, maybe they're still learning how to stream in an so ideal, maybe give them an option to watch it on either in an ideal uh, world on over the air TV or satellite TV. In an ideal world, this is what they would do. And it's pretty easy and it's pretty simple, but the simple option has eluded the IHSSN in the last, however, stream it online. Then anyone can see it then work out a deal with Iowa Public Broadcasting because everyone, even if you don't have cable, you can get an antenna and plug it into your TV. You can get a digital antenna. And one of the first stations you will always get is Iowa Public Broadcasting. Have it through there. That way you don't have to jump through the hoops of, oh, uh, Last Man Standing is on. I don't know if we can uh, – survive the viewers for that oh i don't know the bachelor's on like i said before or or, you know oh big brother's on can we really do that i guess it's a summer show it's not a good one but you know there's always stuff people want to watch but and and some of it's like oh we have mlb rights too so we'll be showing this for fox do it through iowa public broadcasting everyone can get that and scream it as well two birds with one stone and both can be free I know that's an outrageous term to say in today's day and age. Something can be free. Yeah. But, oh my gosh. That's what it is in a lot of other places. Also, as a side note, you, you, triggered, you said something that triggered something that, uh, as a former uh, radio broadcaster and someone who still does some moonlighting on the radio side, uh, make your radio fees a little bit cheaper, please. Oh, the radio, just in. The radio oh, fees are crazy. God. Uh, it doesn't cost yeah. more for those extra phone lines, but they price gouge those phone lines like they're going out of business. And the thing is, some of those phone lines, there's so many that do it on a cell, that connect it to a cell phone, that you don't even have to charge for that. So you're charging because you want the monopoly on it. So if you're not making enough money that way and you have to go and get TV rights, there are so many radio stations that pony it up to get those for each game. You, you cannot, they're making a ton of money off that but yet they needed broadcast rights. So I would love, to, like, someone needs to go through the accounting of, that, of, of those programs sometimes because it's, and the it's, girls, it's amazing. And to be fair, the girls union is starting to become bad about that too because I think the radio rights fees for a girls basketball game this year was, oh, I don't even want to say because I don't want to give out a wrong and, number, and but why? it was high. And, and it was high and because I wanted, to, I wanted to call a game for a radio station back home and I couldn't. Because the fees were so freaking high. It doesn't make sense because it used to be because you had to set up the phone lines. 
you don't have to set up the phone lines nearly as much as you did before. Because like I said, you can connect to your cell phone and do it in a lot of ages or a laptop and do it. So it's Ethernet some, so a lot of the times now instead of phone lines. So you're yeah, charging them Yeah, that's how KDSN for, called their game tonight was through Ethernet. Exactly. So you're charging them for something that you're not paying for. So you're making a ton of extra money. If you want some goodwill, charge, you know, how about $25 per game? That's not outrageous. You no, can do it for free no. too, but like I said, people are going to want money no matter what. You know, I'm I'm surprised yeah. they don't charge us for the air at the Wells Fargo Center sometimes. So, <laughs> especially for state wrestling, right? Yeah, exactly. So, it, I, I'm I'm surprised that the union, that the boys' union, hasn't charged us for their free air for the free air yet. So, and that's why I let I'm going to let you deal with that tournament, not me. And you're the wrestling guy anyway, so that works out perfectly. All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Sioux City Journal Prep Podcast here on SiouxCityJournal.com. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, make sure to check out SiouxCityJournal.com for uh, stories, videos, past podcasts, and a plethora of other stuff that our uh, editorial staff puts out, both on the news and sports side. For sports editor Justin Retz, this is assistant sports editor Zach James, thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.